This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is Season 7, and every week this season, we'll bring you fresh content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together like-minded organizations, and our main goal in everything we do, including this podcast, is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. You may be familiar with our resources at Discipleship.org. But did you know about Reggie Campbell's ebook called Fill Your Seats? It's a quick, easy to read guide for church leaders who want to simply stimulate interest in disciple making at their church. So many people hear about disciple making and it's in one ear and out the other. So Reggie Campbell offers some actionable ways that you can garner interest at your church and, as he named the ebook, Fill Your Seats. Download this resource at discipleship.org slash ebooks. Today we're featuring an episode from Third Drive Media and their track at the National Disciple Making Forum called Media Evangelism. The episode for today is part one of a two-part series called Powerful Strategies to Amplify Disciple Making, featuring Christian Ray Flores. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much. Can I start us off with a prayer real quick? Uh, Father, we, uh, we come before you because we want to learn um, uh, just the different ways that are, are now available to, un- to us in the 21st century um, so that we can spread the best news, the best news there is. Uh, and Father, we just pray that we have uh, open minds, open hearts, that we get excited about the opportunities and not overwhelmed about the methods. <laughs> and uh, I'm just really grateful that uh, we get to share this with, with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, just to give you a little bit of a background, welcome. Uh, we, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the Third Drive uh, company, and basically what we do is we help uh, churches and companies communicate well through media and have higher impact. That's one of the things we do. So, so for, the, for, for this class, this is what we do, okay? Uh, but <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the, the backstory to how this came to happen is that we... Uh, my, my wife and I, we both come from media, and I come from show business. She comes from show business. Uh, so we've been doing media longer than we've been doing ministry. So we've been leading churches for, what, 22, 23 years, something like that, babe, for, for a while. And uh, we've been doing media longer than that. And somehow that merged together over time because we realized that there's so much power in understanding how to communicate effectively. And that there's no better. I mean, if, if, if it works for other uh, messages, it's, it better work for the gospel of Christ. Um, and so that's sort of the, the, the backstory. And the, uh, my backstory is that I, I come from entertainment and music. Uh, Deb also comes from entertainment and music. She worked for MTV and VH1 for a long time. And, and uh, so we both have a passion and sort of predisposition to that. Of course, you're a theater major on top of that, right? So um, all of our kids are doomed to be in the in, in, in the in the humanities, unfortunately, so they're genetically genetically limited um, uh, in in the, their choice of career. So one is a dancer, one is an actress. It's just you know you, it's just completely hopeless. Uh, I hope they marry well. So uh, so, um, but I, I became a Christian in, in December '95, uh, and I'm sort of the international person who I grew up on. This is my fourth continent. I grew up on three different continents. And uh, I became a Christian in Russia. Uh, and I was um, an artist, um, fairly successful artist there. And um, I became a Christian two years later. I started preaching the gospel. I just walked away from my career because I felt like I wanted to not only entertain but change lives as well. And uh, that sort of became my passion. Um, and then over time, we led churches in, in Moscow and in Kiev and in, in the stateside in South Florida and Los Angeles. And we started about six years ago, started a new uh, uh, church called Tribe in Austin, Texas. And, you know, we were, bi- I've been bivocational most of my life. So it's, you know, called professional ADD. So I've uh, done something else other than uh, most of the time. There were brief periods where I was only doing ministry. And, um, but, uh, but I was, I've been bivocational most of my life. So when we came to Austin, we came with an entertainment company. So we've self-supported a church planting. Mostly, we, we had uh, a little bit of money from a local church called uh, Austin Christian, who were amazingly generous, uh, not only with money, but with people. So they gave us the team to plant this. And um, early on, uh, we, 
we started using uh, media very actively, and and I, we were doing we were doing our business over here, and we were using media for the church just because we knew how to do this. And it came it made such a huge difference in our attendance and our growth that over time it, it became this robust strategy that we implemented, sort of almost like muscle memory in the Austin church, uh, and it became very very effective. And after after a few years of that, we just said, well, why don't we just roll it out as something we offer and teach people and share, this is what's, what's worked. Um, so that is basically the backstory. Um, the, I'll, what I want to explain to you first is, this is a, the part one of a, a two-part workshop, is sort of the whys of this thing. Because oftentimes media, uh, and especially social media, gets misinterpreted to be this sort of fad, this, you know... Ah, whatever, this is the, for the less spiritual sort of, you know? Like the spiritual people, all they need to do is pray and share their faith and everything is going to be okay. Um, but the truth is, um, media is, the present information revolution is the most impactful information revolution in the history of humanity. And for sure, at least in the last 500 years. And what we don't connect oftentimes as church leaders is that there are several reasons why a church grows, and especially the early church that inspires us. We read the Bible. We want to be like them. We want to imitate them, right? Uh, and what we don't notice oftentimes is that the church grows because of the power of God and the Holy Spirit. The church grows because of the faith of the, of the early Christians, but also the church grew, in the, especially the church that we read about in the Bible, because they happen to be, by God's providence, in the information revolution of the time. So God placed them in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was an information revolution. Didn't look like ours, that's why we don't think of it that way. But the Roman Empire had 250,000 miles from northern England to Egypt, common laws enforced, exchange of ideas, trade. That was unprecedented. And that was a big part of why the church spread so quickly. But it didn't spread automatically. It spread because Christians embraced the information revolution. Like imagine the scenario if, if the church starts in Acts 2 in Jerusalem and then they just stay there or just stay in Judea and they go, oh, we don't want to go through the discomfort of using those Roman roads and being in danger and being maybe persecuted by some people who are not like us and don't understand us. We're, we're this minority, this sect. Ah, We'll just stay with our people. We wouldn't be sitting here if they didn't embrace the information revolution. But instead, what they did is they went, they scattered, they traveled, and it was fairly intentional, especially from the Apostle Paul, right? Uh, it was very intentional. They traveled. Not only did they use the, main, the, the highways of the information revolution, but they went to, went to the biggest hubs of the information revolution. Even when they reached those hubs, they could have just sort of Helps stayed in, 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 in the place that was sort of the comfort zone, which is the synagogues, but they didn't stay in the synagogues. They went to the marketplace, they went to the river, they went to a place called the Areopagus, where there was a whole bunch of people who didn't have any idea who they were. They were outsiders, they were minorities, they were startups, right? But they went there on purpose to spread ideas, to spread ideas. And that was their version of the inf- embracing the re- information revolution. I want you to remember that posture of heart. The posture of heart of a startup. We work a, a lot with startups in the business, on the business side of, of things. And the, the posture of heart of a startup is, is, is very different from an established institutionalized company. Right? The institutionalized are, we're here, everybody knows who we, who we are, you ought to love us. That's the institutionalized sort of way of things. Well, what's the institutionalized version in the New Testament? The Pharisees, the people who were established. They were like, you guys should obey us. You guys shouldn't rock the boat, right? Well, that was not the, heart, the posture of heart of the early church. The early church where no one knows who we are. Everybody thinks we're weird, you know. Half of the people want to kill us. And who is this Jesus guy who was supposed to be king, but he was crucified as a criminal? So their posture was, We need to be very, very, very convincing in how we communicate. We need to go where the people are. We need to go where opinions are being formed. We need to speak a certain way, right? And the Apostle Paul, that's what he did. So we'll come back to that in a second. 
uh, you know, uh, 500 years ago, there was another information revolution that was propelled by the printing press. And that had a very similar effect. Christians took, took, took that information revolution and used it in profound ways. Many of us wouldn't be sitting here if they didn't do that. Right? That you can probably, you know your church history, you know how it all happened. Um, so, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, I love him in that context because he was what I call the third culture person. He was not just of the Jewish culture, not, but he was also of the Greek culture. He grew up in Tarsus. So he's this guy who figured it out. He said, okay, this is a, this is a faith that came out of the Jewish uh, space, the Jewish culture, or the Old Testament, all of that. But we need to take it to the people who have no idea what that is. Right? So he, the New Testament was, was not written in Aramaic for a reason. Right? Written in what? Greek, the trade language, to spread. And Paul went and traveled, and he used Roman law and his knowledge of, the, of Roman law to advance the gospel. He was this third culture guy. He was going into, into this new territories. And he went to the Areopagus. And when he, when he went to the Areopagus, I love that there was sort of foundational, the, that's the foundational scripture of the church that we planned, called Tribe. Is we want to be where the... We want to know the culture of the city that we're in. We want to serve them. We want to love them. We want to communicate in a relevant way, communicate the gospel without compromising our faith. So he spoke to them in Greek. He spoke to them with terminology of a Greek philosopher. He would quote their poets uh, from memory, right? It's like a a preacher, you know, a white middle-aged preacher going on stage and and quoting Jay-Z, right? That would be weird. But that's exactly what we should be doing. Exactly, man. This, just look at, look at Reese. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And uh, so, um, so that's, that's, the, that's, that's how he was, right? And he, when he talked to people, like if you study the, the, the sermon at the Areopagus, he doesn't quote the Old Testament at all. So he's very, very relevant to their culture, and he convinces them. And the, sort of the, 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 the key thing here is so that by all possible means, I may save some. So that's sort of the, the, the spiritual foundation of what we believe should be for, for us embracing the, the information revolution, right? The Areopagus is online. It has moved, right? It's not going back to Athens. And there's nothing we can do about that. This is the place where people shape their ideas, where they, where they change their minds, where they debate, where they vent, where they fight, and we should be in, not only in the middle of that fight, but we should be instigating it as the church. So what are the key elements uh, of the information revolution? This is, this is in the 21st century, the digital home. You see online presence. So it's a collection of things, right? It's some videos that describe who you are, maybe a welcome video, some more additional stuff, a website, your social media presence integrated with a certain voice, with a certain sort of tone, you know? Uh, engaging stories, it's basically ongoing communication. You know, a lot, of, uh, many churches make the mistake of thinking that if you upgrade your website, you're sort of in it. And the truth is, it's just a home. Like, it does nothing for you unless you use it a certain way, right? Uh, and it's ongoing communication. It's imagine the Areopagus speech of Paul happening on an ongoing basis. That's what it is, right? It needs to be ongoing. And it needs to be strategic. It needs to be very deliberate and intentional. And it's done through media. So the third part is multimedia. So that's the distribution channels. The, this is the Areopagus and the river and the synagogue and the marketplace. Those are the spots, right? Um, so uh, it's, I think you were there on the first one. But I, I'll go through this exercise. You guys have internet right now? Like, is, are you on the, I think there's a guest Wi-Fi so why don't you go to this, to this URL, I'll explain why. <clears throat> so we have this tool that we developed that helps churches um, basically self-assess and get their media evangelism score, sort of get an idea where they are. And it's important to know where you are uh, because then you can know where you want to go from there, right? <laughs> uh, so what I want to do is I want to see if I can help you not only answer, the, not only sort of see the questions that are being asked, but tell you why those, those questions are important. So are, you, are you on? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. 
So basically, for the first piece of information is sort of basic. You ask, it asks you role, age, size of church, type of church, that kind of thing. So you can fill that in very quickly. It's just a multiple choice thing. Um, but then, uh, then you, you start going for the important questions. The, this, this is the first one. What does your website communicate mostly? These are, these are, this is question, these are questions that mo- m- many people don't ask, right? Does it, inf- does it, uh, provide information only? And information only is, here's where we meet, this is the time, here's a map, here's our calendar, here's who our preacher is, here's our beliefs, this is information only, right? Or, does it provide information and ins- plus inspiration? Inspiration is basically, Whoever looks at, at, your, at your digital home, whatever, it could be a Facebook uh, um, page or, or it could be you know, your website, feels something, right? Feels inspired. Not, it's not neutral. It's like, okay, nice. But, wow, it makes me happy. It makes me inspired. It makes me interested, that sort of thing. And the third is inspiration, information, inspiration, plus a call to action. So a media presence that, that pulls you in where the average person would go, most likely be, be, be willing to go, I really want to go to this. I want to check this out. The reason this is super, super important is because you can address, you can have a, a three different buckets for, the, for your audience, right? The first audience is your members in your church. Um, and these are people that are there, they're loyal, they're happy. All they need to know is when to the next meeting, right? That's fine. So that's the first bucket. So the if most churches address that, that fairly well. The second bucket is people who are looking for another church. People who are going, okay, I know Christianity in general. I'm a church sort of person. And uh, I'm just curious what the offering is re- related to others. That's a good bucket to hit. But the Great Commission doesn't ask us to make Christians of other Christians. Right? The third bucket is the one you should be aiming at. And it's people that don't want to come to church. And every communication in our church and tribe is geared toward people, like in our imagination, we communicate in sermons, in video, in web, and everything. To that person, that persona, who doesn't want to be there, maybe their friends dragged them into Sunday, or maybe they said, you should check out this church, and they're like, no. Okay, I'll check it out, but I won't come. What will get that person to go, huh, maybe I should visit? That's the third bucket. So you can self-assess fairly quickly, if you think about your church, which ones, which bucket do you, do you target, right? Um, here's another one. Um, so that's the second question. Who does your website communicate to? The, third, the, the other question is, what does your website elicit on an emotional level? Confusion, indifference, interest, enthusiasm. Why? Why, why do you ask that question, you might ask? Well, the, the answer is this. People make decisions not based on on rational things, but on feelings. Always. Always on feelings. Mm. Now, it might, be, it might be informed by some rational things, but it goes from here to here to action. That's how, that's how it goes, most of the time. You know? Think about all this stuff that you go, I shouldn't have done that. What was I thinking? That's right, you were not. You were feeling. You were feeling, right? That's why there's, a, there's an impulse by um, a place, right by the register, uh, in, in, in your grocery store. Why? It's feeling. I want that chocolate right now. I might not need that chocolate, but I want that chocolate right now. Does that make sense? <laughs> so here's another question. How much someone visiting your website understands your Sunday service experience? Right? Now, why is that important? It's because you're asking someone who most likely doesn't know anyone. Maybe they know one person who invited them, maybe nobody, maybe they just bumped into your website. You're asking them to, to come to a place full of strangers to experience something that it, they might not like. It's a risk. Like your lizard brain as a human being goes, why would I do that? Right? So what do you want to do? You want to de-risk it on an emotional level. You want to say, hey, there are some people like you. Because the questions we're answering are not informational, they're emotional questions. And the questions people ask are, are there people like me? Will I belong? Will I fit in? Are there people my ethnicity, my age, right? Um, if I have kids, will my kids be happy there? Is it, is it formal or modern? 
am I going to stand out? What's the, rest, what's the dress code? Some, something that basic. Because you don't want to be embarrassed if you show up, you know, in flip-flops and, and, uh, and shorts where the, the, everybody else has a suit and tie. Is that right? Yep. Those are the questions. And that's the, it's a make it or break it a question and answer. And if you don't have the answer to that, many people will opt literally to not show up. Right? When it comes to design and aesthetics, here are the, the other ones. Uh, how would you characterize a church website? You know? Um, in social media, prominent, is social media prominently in- integrated into your website? Why is that? Well, because you, you, you only go to the website once if you're checking something out. If you connect to, the, to uh, this organization or to this artist, this author, whoever it is, that personality organization on social media, they, sh- they pop up on your, on your timeline over and over again because you like them. Right? So it's import, import, important to integrate those things. Um, how engaging is your gener- user-generated content on your website? Or do you have any at all? Like What, what we use is, is Instagram feeds. Well, why is that important? It's because the website is almost like the official thing, the party line. And if you're young and rebellious, you don't want to have the party line. You want to check out what's under the hood. And the Instagram feed is awesome because it's like lifting the veil. Here's how we live. This is how, what we do, how we do a, a park service. This is how we pray together. This is how we study the Bible. This is how we have fun. That is, it's user-generated stuff. It's not professional, polished, party line content. It, create, it communicates authenticity, it communicates transparency. And if you are looking for that, you will be encouraged by that. You'll go, this appeals to me, this is fun. These people are authentic, right? Um, uh, are missions and service projects prominent on your website? Well, why is that? Because there's a general, the, the people who really authentically want to believe, they want to serve. And if you say nothing about service, nothing about impact and community, on your website, all you, all you, all your quote unquote sell is come and visit us on Sunday. Uh, many people who are looking for authenticity and service and boots on the ground, get your hands dirty, be involved in community, they won't come. They're like, ah, this is fake. This is just not, this is not for me. That's what you're communicating without communicating. Isn't that funny? Like you're not trying to communicate that, but that's exactly what you're communicating. Uh, how, how consistent and inspiring is your printed communication, right? So if you print anything, how, how does it look like? You know, is it, is it lazy? Is it amateurish? Is it, wow, this is engaging, right? Uh, do you stream your sermons on social media, Facebook, YouTube, etc.? cetera? Um, outside sermon, sermon, sermon videos, do you use any other videos, short-form videos? Why is that? They are great on, 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 on social media. Social media, actually, uh, algorithms, they will, they will push forward your content if you create video content because people don't want to read, they want to watch. And they don't want to watch a lot, they want to watch short. Right? So the shelf, the shelf uh, uh, life of a sermon is like until Monday, usually. I, like, it, I sort of, I'm sort of joking, but I'm not. Because if you ask any of your members on, on a Monday what I, you preached about on Sunday, most of them will go, Jesus? That. If that, yeah. you know, and I'm exaggerating a bit, right? Because every once in a while you get that one person who says, man, seven years ago, man, you said this and it changed my life. But it's like that one person out of 99, you know. Uh, yeah. But the truth is, what, what if, but you have great stuff during, dur- during Sunday. You say great stuff. The truth is, it just doesn't have a shelf life because you don't store it in a proper way. But if you grab a sermon, a video, and you create two or three small clips out of it, it lives longer. If you throw some titles around it just to make it more engaging, it lives even longer. You hit a particular home run, it goes viral. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the power of this stuff is it's, it's quite amazing. Here's another one. Do you optimize your website for SEO, search, and, search engine optimization? You know, search engines basically have algorithms. How to, how to you know, if you're a user, they're going to go, what will be more, most useful for Reese, right? So they have algorithms that calculate those things, right? So, uh, and the difference, and Reese is going to go to the first page, most likely not going to go to the f- second page, search page. So if your church doesn't pop up on the first page, most likely Reese is not going to even see it. So, and this is the art of optimizing a website so that it can be found better, right? Uh, we'll go back with some stories about that a bit later. Uh, do you, what do you, I mean, here are some, these are practical questions. Do you depend on your media evangelism content 
by, you know, do you depend on volunteers, membership committee, staff leadership, leadership or professional team? Those are all these different variations of how it's done, right? Um, how do you describe your leadership committee, your, your leadership group commitment to this? Why? Because you don't, if you don't have a, a, budget, a budget line item, things are not going to grow. Just the bottom line, right? So, you know, you, go, you have churches that spend, you know, $30,000 on a bunch, a bunch of interns. Maybe they keep one of them, and they spend zero on media evangelists that can, may have actually much, much higher impact. Um, but it's just subjective priorities. That's what it is. So the question is, is the leadership group sort of devoted to this or not? It's, a, it's an important question to, to, to be able to answer. Um, where are you in the journey? You know, this is just really more informational stuff. Are you, like, dabbling into it? Are you experimenting? Are you doing well? Are you, you know, uh, what is the closest to your opinion regarding medium evangelism? This is sort of a general question as well. And then uh, is branding important? So, um, so here's the next thing is we're going to specifics now. So I think this is the end of the questionnaire. You can finish it up and you'll get your score in, in your email. Uh, so it's, it's a great thing because it'll tell you where, you're, where you are and why possibly even, right? And so you can take that and even showing, show, show it to your elders and go, you see, you know? <laughs> uh, so let's talk about branding just a bit. Um, once again, brand, it's like a dirty word, like in church land. Branding, why, whatever, you know? Uh, if you don't believe in branding... Let me show you a great branding exercise, right? This is a symbol that survived 2,000 years. It's filled with meaning, right? Everybody knows what this is. Uh, you can find it in ancient ruins and all kinds of places. Why? That's branding. That's a very simple image that represents a whole lot of stuff. In a second, the person knows exactly what it represents. So that's why branding for a church is important. So this is, if this is a symbol for for Christianity as a whole, what is the symbol for your community, your church? So what we recommend is that we have clean, minimalistic, this is sort of the current trend, uh, brands um, that are flat, not, not too much detail, that are very pleasant to the eye, and it speaks to those you want to reach. So it also is dependent on the context, who you want to reach and what they will prefer, right? Uh, some rules of thumbs for, uh, thumb for this is Please don't go cheap. Uh, and it's, it's very easy to go cheap because it's like, what is this? It's just a couple of letters in a symbol. How can, it can't possibly be expensive, right? It is extremely hard to create good branding. You know, and the prices go from 50 bucks. I think I've heard recently that this one company, and I think that's over the top, but it gives you an idea of the range. This one company spent $300,000 on a logo. It's real. You know, it's real and it's, that's, it is important, you know, like depending on who you are, it's more important or less important. Uh, but that's, that's the range of prices. But don't go cheap if you want to do a good logo. Work with a professional. And also the kiss of death of branding is if you work with a committee, designed by committee, kiss of death, you will want to end your life. Seriously. Uh, it's really, really tough. Um, Punctuate your activity, all of your stuff now. So you have a logo. What do you, how do you make it into something that make, make people put meaning into it? Well, you punctuate all of your activities with the, with the logo. Put it everywhere, everywhere you can. And, of course, the culture of your church now becomes represented by this one thing. That's, that's how you do it. It's a long process. Let's talk about the digital home a bit. So website definitely should be uh, mobile-friendly, Right. So if you look at it on a phone, you go, what is this thing? I don't even understand. I have to zoom in and stuff like that. It needs to be mobile friendly. Um, it's called a responsive website. Um, the look and feel, I, really, really important that it's not busy, not, not, uh, not too much text. The reason for that is, like, even brain chemistry, if, you, if your brain goes, this is too complicated, it shuts it down. Like your brain goes, I can't deal with it. On an emotional level, again, right? So it needs to be clean, not busy. Think of the audience. Think which bucket you're trying to hit. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible how hard it is to develop a strategy of communication. This is, this is the exact wording we want. This is the exact tone we want to hit for this exact audience. Uh, and most uh, churches don't even ask those questions, 
you know, so therefore you have websites that are digital homes that are just ineffective, you know, in many ways. Uh, they're just, they're mostly informative and not engaging. Um, here, here's, you know, once again, the questions that website, most websites don't, don't answer. Will I belong? Will I be happy? Are there people like me? Um, will, I f- will I find community? Can I, do I feel there's love in this place? Those are real, real questions, emotional questions. And most websites don't answer those questions. If they have kids, are my kids going to be happy, right? Um, and, and the overarching question is, will this help me in my journey? And your lizard brain, as, 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 which, as well as my lizard brain, the primitive brain, will be interested in, is it essential for my survival? That's the big question. That You, you really do a lot of things out of that motivation, Right? Is it going to be essential on a feeling level? It might actually not be uh, essential at all, but you know, those milk duds mm. might feel like mm. they're essential for my survival, mm-hmm. and therefore you will have them. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about video a bit. You know, God created us to make our, make our minds about the world, make decisions and, uh, uh, through multisensory things. Right? So when there's a lot of text you don't have complete information or impression, better to say. Video is an incredible tool. It's the most used uh, medium online by far. Um, And you can create, you can communicate all of those questions that I asked. I said, you can communicate so much of that through video. I'll actually show a video in part two that sort of shows you how it's answered in like under a minute, which is pretty amazing. Uh, But more important, what I want to talk about is the impact, right? So this is, a church welcome video, it has 7,000 views. It's really great to have a medium where 7,000 people know about you uh, and you didn't even tell them anything yourself personally. You're sleeping, you're preaching, you're doing your ministry business, and your website is working for you, not against you. That's pretty sweet. Uh, the, the one on the right is a, is a paid video. We use um, Facebook advertising to push uh, sermon series, things like that. And this has reached 74,000 views. And it hit, if I remember correctly, around, it was offered to over 135,000 people uh, in a matter of probably three, four weeks. So think about that. Not everybody's going to like your message or be engaged with you necessarily. But it's really great to be able to tell your story to 134,000 people of which 74,000 will actually see it. That's a great number, right? Well, imagine the impact of that. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. So remember we talked about the three buckets, about members, people who are looking for a church, people who are uh, not even looking for a church. Here's how it looks like on average um, in church land, right? So this, this is our research. And uh, 50, we have, let's say, a sampling of 52 churches here. And 50 out of 52 only hit the first bucket. This is self-assessed. 50 out of 52. And then, so the, the inspiration and the engagement is these are all lost opportunities. This is what we're missing. If we don't engage with the information revolution and we, if we don't think about it deeply enough, strategically enough, uh, it's pretty remarkable, Right? So let me share this, some stories with you real quick, and we can have a, sort of a Q&A at the end. Um, these are real people. Kirsten was baptized and now leads a small group. She says, I could tell the website was up to date, with, which gave me the impression that the community was active and thriving. The pictures and videos allowed me to really feel like I, was, I saw the website. When I, what I saw on the website would be close to what I could expect my experience to be in real life. Videos certainly helped me and anyone else visiting the website to imagine themselves being there, which for most people visiting a new church puts us at ease about trying something new. This is a real person who wouldn't be a member of the church, who wouldn't be leading a small group in a church that came just because of that. That was, that was her self-assessment of this is why I came. Uh, Joyce says, our media is definitely bringing them into church. We're studying with a couple right now. I think the hardest part is any, uh, of anything is getting people in the door, but we've had much success with that through our website. Chris says, it was inspiring, seemed like a dynamic group of people. He got baptized. Uh, uh, another Chris says, the website talked about commitment, and that was something I was studying. So this, uh, this speaks to, me- to messaging. 
like the things you say, the things that you emphasize will appeal to certain types of people who are looking for certain types of things. So this guy literally saw the, the word commitment. And he was like, that's it. I'm, I'm in. I want to visit. Yeah. Became a Christian. Um, Michael says, the church showed me, uh, showed on my top of my Google search, a message to churches. Your church responded. So I went. Simple as that. That's SEO, right? Like if he didn't scroll to the second page, we popped up on the, on the first page. He messaged, we responded, responded quickly, responded quicker than the other ones. That's why he came. He's now a Christian, member of the church, got married in the church. Um, Aisha says, I had young people, had a young people, young people, a good mixture of cultural diversity. For them, for her, that was a selling point. Uh, Michael says, it was first church that popped up when I searched for non-denominational church in Austin. This is our church, right? Obviously. Uh, Jeffrey says, I found the church on Google Maps. What sold me was the reviews, the common theme of, uh, of the church being a real community and real connection. So people just commented on our Google Maps location and said, this is real community, real connection, authentic relationships. And he was like, oh, this is appealing to me, right? Um, this is, once again, not party line stuff. It's, it's user-generated information, content. Uh, Brandon says, as head usher every week, I personally greet p- people who come after first visiting the website or seeking our content or social, on social media. So this is, you know, we, we love this because we really see the connection between this and what Paul did. And sometimes you just miss that. You, you go, okay, I just don't, uh, you know, this is just like a fad or it's just, this is methods. Like I've heard things, people saying, well, this is like cheating. <laughs> and there, you know, and to me that makes me sad because it's missing the point. It's like, it's like somebody saying to Paul, you're cheating by going, by, by going to Rome, by going to Corinth. You know, you're cheating by not staying with the synagogue. This is where our people are. You know, you're cheating by going, why, why are you doing hanging out with, with those pagans at the Areopagus? You know, why, are you flirting with the world by quoting their poets, by quoting Jay-Z? When you mention that they, 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 they are religious and they search for God, you're complimenting them on something that is evil? Those are, those are the same people wow. would say that about Paul that say these things about media evangelism. And I think it's really important to understand the connection, the deep connection that the modern information revolution has with what we admire about the early church. Does that make sense? Anyway, so this was part one. I hope this helps in any way. So uh, if you have any questions, let me know. We can have a little Q&A. And we can, or, or if not, we can just wrap it up and relax. Yeah. So uh, we have just started to... So the question is, the startup mentality, what's about it? And Keith... By the way, I paid him $100 to say what he just said. <laughs> Good marketing. This is how it works, man. So, yeah, 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 I'll have a check ready for you, maybe. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but what he was mentioning is we, we've been going back and forth about this. And the one thing that's, that strikes me, because we, we work a lot with, with uh, startups and third drive, is that the, how market the difference in culture is in a startup compared to an established uh, company. You know, the established company basically says, here I am, you should like me, you should use me, I'm better than this other competitor. And it's basically that level of engagement, right? Which is not bad, but the startups, why, start, why small startups come from nowhere, usually from the fringe, and they can disrupt the whole industry or completely uh, ruin a, a monster of a company that goes down the drain, you know? Why? It's because they have this intensity this hunger and this desire to say, we can do this better. And they go out of their ways to communicate it in, 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 in such inventive, creative ways. Um, and that's, that was the mentality of the early church, I believe. Because they couldn't, like, they were a startup. Like, they were, I mean, they couldn't even come up with a, one unified name for the longest time, Right. They were the way, disciples, Christians. Christians was, Jesus didn't even call them Christians, you know. It was, it was, he came up later. Um, but I think part of the sort of downfall of the modern church is that we sort of feel like we're entitled to people's time and people's opinions and people's lives and people's sacrifice and, and attention. Because, and so we sort of become this Pharisaic type cultures because we go, well, you should come and visit me on, in my big church building on my Sunday because I have this superstar preacher and we have a band and smoke machines and lights and you should pay attention and you should come. 
but it's just so far from the spirit of the early church. That is so, so far. So I think, you know, you know, when, when I speak to my church, I'm like, guys, we should act and, 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 and talk like nobody knows what Jesus is and who Jesus is and what Christianity is. And we should fight for people's attention, for people's faith. We should, be, we have, we should have that hunger and that passion about the gospel because that's the treasure. And the other thing about, uh, I think that you mentioned is um, about the sort of the institutionalized Christianity is that, you know, it's very, it's very hard. I think people are sincere and love God. But if you have a big church uh, or a bigger church and you have a staff and you have a mortgage and you have complexity, right? It's very easy for the treasure, like the core of why you do what you do and what you say, to shift from the gospel to that, to the organization. The organization becomes the treasure. And you go, yeah, yeah, well, no, no, it's the gospel, but, you know, we care about the organization. But the truth is, if you'll read the New Testament, the only treasure was not the organization. The only treasure was Jesus. That was all there was, right? And that dictates the way you communicate. That's why, that's why I think this is an important thing to think about is if, you, if your only treasure is Jesus and nothing else, you will communicate, and your level of intensity, your level of creativity is going to just go through the roof. Um, and that then overflows into this information revolution type stuff. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Well, this is fantastic. I mean, I'm extremely interested, and I'm going to do everything I can to get a particular church that I'm involved with getting, getting some help from you. Mm-hmm. This is great. Hundred dollars. Thank you. Very yeah. So, um, can you talk a little bit about? I know you started this. You said you mentioned the, the tribe starting in, mm-hmm. in, in six years ago. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a little bit about how media evangelism, how that's gone, and how media evangelism has helped in that process. Yeah. So what we do is, for example, we uh, we started off by just sort of rethinking the website from the lens of the third bucket. You know, like, and it takes, you'll be surprised, you go, it's just words. Oh, it's so much effort, it's so much pain, right? But sort of, re, and having an, an emotional, so people have an emotional response, so this was like six years ago. And then we started adding, so this is, so we worked, basically, we first worked on the digital home, and we improved it over time, over years, right? But then the other thing is the ongoing communication was reinvented, because we felt like we wanted to make it an integrated thing. So every sermon series that we have, we brand so we come up like me and Dave Hooper, who is, who is the other pastor in the north side. We come up with a theme. Sometimes we preach the same theme. Sometimes we don't. But then our, the team takes that and designs it, gives us samples, and we just say, okay, option B. Then that gets disseminated, first of all, created, formatted, and disseminated into digital and print. Those are the two categories, right? The print category is printed materials that are high quality, really engaging, and banners, so every sermon series has banners on the stage, multiple banners. Um, and then on digital, it's, they create a PowerPoint template for us to preach from, uh, Facebook covers, Facebook, in, Facebook event invites, a banner on the website, um, and something else, I'll forget, you know, some, some sort of Instagram thing. Uh, so it's, it's a whole slew, and they, that gets deployed all at the same time. So the, the effect is, it's an immersive effect. So the, the average member, they know exactly what we're doing, exactly why we're doing it. Also, the culture of excellence attracts excellence. You know, if you're, if you're a church member and you're proud of your church, you go, this is our stuff, man. They will share their faith more. I mean, it's just simple as that. They'll share the, the Facebook invite with 1,000 people each. Um, and, and, and that kind of intentionality and uh, commitment to excellence attracts people who love excellence. You know, so people that are like, yeah, I want to get my act together, man. Uh, where do I sign up? I mean, it communicates through all these multiple channels at the same time. So that's why I talk about integrated communication is that. It's across all channels, all at the same time. And it has this incremental effect of presence, of understanding what we're doing, where we're going, and of almost like this, the members are, are proud of it and non-members are like, this actually sounds really engaging. To give you an example of language, for example, the third culture language is we did a sermon series on minor prophets. And if you have le- read Minor Prophets, it's a sort of a downer, like the whole thing, 
Like it's not super inspiring. Like at first, especially at first glance, right? Like unless you know the in depth, which is inspiring, the, the big picture. But for an average person, especially for an unchurched person, that can be like a buzzkill, right? Uh, so we were like, okay, but we want to be faithful. We want to teach the whole Bible. So we we were like, how do we communicate this? And we basically um, named the, the title of the sermon series "Countercultural," which was the essence of those prophets, the minor prophets, basically raising their voice against the sin of the culture. So we could counterculture, and that's people go, yeah, I want to be countercultural, you know. And then the tagline was uh, um, "Minor Prophets for Modern Problems." So that's third culture language for something that can be considered obscure sort of boring, tedious, you know what I'm saying? So that, and that engages. And we actually had a fantastic, I mean, it was a fantastic sermon series. Very, very engaging and people were inspired. So that's an example for you. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Uh-huh. If nobody else is saying, are you going to talk about Facebook in the next section? Uh, a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So this is just like, I am clueless. Yeah, so yeah. I'm yeah. old and clueless. Yeah, yeah. So this is just remarkable to me, and it just shows you what I'm trying to learn. Mm-hmm. We have a website. It's, it's terrible. Okay? And mm-hmm. they record my sermons and our sermons on there. Mm-hmm. And I could go on there and check, and, and it's all audio. Mm-hmm. It's usually about 30. Mm-hmm. 30 people will click on it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they, they started putting our my sermons. They started doing them on Facebook Live, and they put them on our church mm-hmm. closed church mm-hmm. website yeah but it's not you can't get to it unless you're a church member got it okay but then it had then it would get typically up to 200 views mm-hmm. now i know a view doesn't mean you watch it all the way through right not necessarily yeah just clicked on it yeah but at least they started watching so it, now yes. there's 200 mm-hmm. they're looking at videos so then what i started doing because i don't i am on facebook i don't know much else but i have like four thousand facebook friends mm-hmm. and that's a impressive lot of them are non-Christians mm-hmm. deliberately mm-hmm. because I just I feel like maybe so I started posting I started sharing my sermons on my mm-hmm. personal Facebook page yeah like the last one had 1300 views mm-hmm. and a lot of non-Christians actually yeah would comment and say I listened to it all the way through you know it was fantastic mm-hmm. so I don't know what I have no idea what I'm doing well, you you definitely know more than most people. So, you know? But I just thought it was interesting where you're going from audio to video. Oh, this to, is my family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to distract thing. you by the cuteness. No, no, no. Just going from the audio to the video uh-huh. that was not accessible even to non-Christians. Right. To the, so anyway, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Just, it's, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable, yeah. So it tells me there's something. Yeah, absolutely. Something. And I'll, I'll definitely impact. If you can remind me to land more, a little bit more on Facebook, I'll probably, I can land on that a bit more on, the second, on part two. So, yeah. Uh-huh, go ahead. So, uh, I have a highly motivated pastor. Um, I'm the, the media director, but not the community. We structure kind of like we have a media director, which is me, over in charge of like social media, kind of like the technical arts and service, but there's a communication director. It's kind of like over the website, the print material. Right. Who's like highly motivated and under, he's kind of under the slope of being able to accomplish those things. Got it. So like, Underqualified. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> just be straight. Only, that's... On like a, only on like a, a freshness. Like, yeah, yeah. Capable of working like yeah. design and, you know, stuff. With, with so it's not relevant, basically. Yeah, it's, it's like irrelevant. Yeah. Kind of, sure, sure. Yeah, so like, how do, you, how do you navigate that kind of... Well, just have honest conversations and, hey, you know, we feel like you're not relevant. Can you upgrade or... <laughs> yeah. no, but honestly, the thing is, like, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of joking in a sense, but you, you will be surprised how many churches have almost like these people that are gatekeepers, good-hearted volunteers who just love to serve but they're not serving well, like optimally in their in in their role, and it's just hard. I mean, as a church leader, you go, oh, "Dude, you've you've laid down your life for us for a decade. You know, it's how can I? You know, like and they. So, but the thing is, it's either you're sentimental with the person, 
but you're now underserving the church, the whole organization, the impact that they may have. And so that's the, you know, that's, I get the tension. Yeah. I, I understand. Oh, hey, that's the hard part. Oh, that's even harder, right? Well, in some ways that's easier because you go, well, we're paying you and you're not doing a good, good job, so, you know, you're fired. So, like, love you, like, with love, but that's actually easier than volunteer because a volunteer is, like, heartbreaking. Like, really, how do you fire a volunteer? Right, <laughs> it's right. terrible. <laughs> huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. We're going a different direction. You start. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the spirit of forum sharing ideas, um, we heard on the main stage how you have to engage the culture where they're at, and you may not be an expert of that culture. So I'm a youth pastor and got into my, my church two years ago, and I found out that all my kids love Minecraft. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I've never played Minecraft before. I had them teach me how to play Minecraft. I had them teach me how to create YouTube videos mm-hmm. on Minecraft. And I, I, I'm creating YouTube videos for Minecraft where I tell Bible stories. That's awesome. That's oh, wow. That's so they're in school, and I hate this, but they're in school between classes or in the middle of class watching YouTube videos. That's fantastic. Paying attention. Yeah. I'd rather have them watch YouTube videos where there's Bible stories being told. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm trying my hardest to engage the culture, and they share them with their friends, and they think it's both dorky and cool at the same time. Um, but I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. They had to teach me how to do it. Yeah. Um, I learned how to record my screen. I learned how to play Minecraft. I, yeah. And when I'm ignorant about what I'm doing in the game, they comment on my videos. Oh, no, you need to do this. Oh, no, you need to do that. That's fun. They might like Kidogo, K-I-D-O-G-O. Friends of ours do this. It's Christian, short, little Christian videos that answer a lot of hot topics. And some of our speakers that are here are on here, videos from them. Yeah, Kidogo is a great resource. Because mm-hmm. Facebook, with all due respect, yeah. is for old people. Yeah. It's old. Yeah. It's for old people. <laughs> it's my kids tell me that all the time. I know. Yeah. And I'm still proud of my 4,000 friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, my counter to the whole Facebook is for older people. It's like, guess what? Guess who's not, who's going to for sure guarantee get older, and who's definitely not going to get younger? Yeah. All of us. Yeah. So if it, Facebook is here to stay because... Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get bored with your Snapchat, and you're going to be on Facebook eventually, you know, because you're going to be a grown-up. So that's just in, in, inevitable. <laughs> no, that's true. That's, that's, a whole different, that's a whole different workshop, right? All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming. I really appreciate you being here. It's an honor. That's today's episode. Check out Reggie Campbell's ebook that we mentioned at the top of this episode at discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for Fill Your Seats. Thanks for listening.